Hello and welcome to the Corporate Pero Latinos podcast. This is Sofia, your host. I wanted to give a quick intro before this episode because this episode has to do with my dad's immigrant journey, but his life has also had so many twists and turns that it could have been like a three-hour episode. So for some context, when I was born, my parents were already separated. My dad had been married prior to that and had my oldest siblings. Then he later had me and my two other siblings, whom I share the same mom and dad with. So when we talk about us going back and forth during the time that he was single, it was after all of this. In this episode, I mentioned how I've always said my dad is the epitome of the American dream. But I think that even having this conversation, it's made me realize that although people might have different definitions for the American dream, my dad's American dream is not the same as mine. And that's totally okay, but I think that there is a lot to learn from his experience while also adding my mentality and my own life goals to that knowledge. My dad and I became best friends throughout the formative years of my life. And as I've grown up and developed, both personally and professionally, there has been a big shift in my mentality, and that causes us to clash at times. However, my dad is my number one fan, and I know I can count on his support, even if he can't fully understand what I'm doing or plan to do with my life. So without further ado, my dad. Hi, dad. Hi, Sophia. <laughs> Thank you for agreeing to come on the podcast. I mean, you were practically begging to be on it, but whatever. <laughs> yeah, I, I couldn't wait. Okay, so why don't we get started with a brief intro about you? So, you know, tell the listeners your name, age, profession, a little bit about your upbringing. My name is Abraham Sarate. Uh, I'm 58 years old. I'm currently working as a branch manager for a distributor. Came to the United States at the age of 18, 19 years old, and that's how I started. So I often say that your story is the epitome of the American dream whenever I talk about you. Can you talk about what it was like to make the decision to leave your family behind as a teenager and some of the jobs that you had to do when you first arrived in the U.S. to simply survive? Sure. So uh, I had the opportunity of uh, visiting the United States at about 12 years of age, and I was impressed with the lifestyle that I that I saw uh, the people had here and ever since it was my dream to live in the United States so growing up still while in Mexico my parents knew that and when I got old enough to be in high school they had promised me that they would they would let me come to the states to live with Uh, my uncle and go to school here in the state of Minnesota. And to this date, I'm not quite sure what, what went wrong, but it didn't happen. So ever since that day, it was my goal. And, and I kept it in my mind. And since it didn't happen with my parents' support, then I decided that I had to do it on my own. 
And that's what I did. I, I found a way. So, so I took whatever job I could get. Luckily enough for me, uh, I got to skip the, the dishwashing job. Like a lot of us have to do it, but uh, I didn't get to experience that part. I went straight into bossing tables at a restaurant. How did you land that first gig? Like when you showed up to the U.S., right? Did uh-huh. you speak any English? Did you have any connections? No, no, I did not. Uh, my, my only connection here in the States, the only person I knew was my uncle. And that's where I arrived. And his marriage wasn't very solid either. So it was kind of hard living with him. And, and we just had to, to find jobs. He happened to have a, a, a part-time job as a waiter at that restaurant where I, where I later started working. And, and like I said, I started as a busboy. But I, I could see that the waiters were, were the ones making the money, right, in tips. Mm-hmm. So it was always my priority to become a waiter at that place. And but it, it was hard because I, I didn't speak any English. Right. Do you remember how much money you were making when you first started? Oh, certainly. Like buzzing uh, tables. Yes, I was making three thirty an hour. With no tips. Uh yes, I would make some tips, a little bit of tips from the waiters. Okay. Wow. Yes. So so. You know, I insisted and insisted and insisted and insisted until my opportunity arrived. So one Sunday afternoon, uh, more than a couple waiters calling sick. And my manager came out and gave me the opportunity to wait on some tables without <laughs> practically knowing hardly English. My, my, my only... Um, and this was in Minnesota, right? This was all in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Yeah. So were you like somewhere where it was uh, predominantly white? Oh, definitely. It was yeah. mostly white. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, um, the opportunity was given. I was panicky. And, and my only consolation is that that restaurant had a, a menu which included 15 different combinations amongst other things, but most people would, would always order the combinations and margaritas. And I was just hoping that everybody that night would order combinations. And yeah, that's how I started. It was, it was very hard. Can you share the story about the napkins that you would tell us when we were little? Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> during one of my my night shifts that I was working, uh, I had a couple uh, that had just come in to the restaurant. As soon as they sat down, the guy asked me for a napkin. We would always have uh, cloth napkins, but the guy wanted a paper napkin, and he just <laughs> asked me for a napkin. And my my secret to uh, be able to know what my customers wanted was to kind of record in my mind the words they were telling me exactly the, the way they sounded and run back to the kitchen real quick <laughs> and ask someone, <laughs> they want this. El napkin. <laughs> uh, no, well, obviously that one, I didn't, I didn't 
get it right or I didn't repeat it right when, when I tried to ask and no one could tell me what, what they were wanting. And instead of me having someone come and, and uh, help me out, I went back and said, and it was a busy night. I remember that. Mm -hmm. I went back and said, I'm sorry, sir, but we don't have those. Just like that. And he looked <laughs> at me all upset and, and, <laughs> and angry. And he's like, what? What do you mean you don't have those? I said, we don't. And then he pointed at one at, at, at another table. <laughs> You're like, oh, so what is that? <laughs> and, and, and then, yeah, uh, my, my manager had to come around and, uh, <laughs> and apologize for me. And then he understood. He understood. I have to say that the back in the day, uh, I didn't really face any, any discrimination or anything like that. I, at least not at that place. So after you got that job, of course, you know, you wanted the next best thing, right? So what right. are some of the jobs that you did after that one? So I started making good money. Uh, waiting on tables, but I wanted something else. I, I've been always about bettering myself one way or another. Do you think that part of that had to do with that like pride that we have where you want a prestigious job or you want like the status? So a lot of times, even though you might be making really good money as a waiter, you're like, no, I want that corporate job or that office job you know that really didn't happen to me I've always been more of a hands-on person uh, to this day even though today I have an office job my preference has always been uh, talking to people and visiting people and being outside of an office so the corporate part of it uh, was not my goal I was more about, yes, making more money or maybe even the same amount of money, but having to work less. Or maybe by having not, not such a physical job, I would be able to have two different jobs and do better. I was... I <laughs> the was, hustle uh, culture. Yes, uh, I have that from my, my dad same thing even though he didn't have any kind of education he was always able to be a good provider for us he doesn't have a lot of administrative uh, or financial uh, management skills but he was able to make money by working hard and i learned that from him okay so what are some of those other jobs that you got okay so after that i i thought well in order to have something better, I need to get a little more education. The bachelor's degree was kind of a long shot. So I got into a technical school, a vocational school to learn computer technology. And it was not programming, but fixing computers. And I'm talking about the old old computers nothing like what <laughs> not we have the right laptops. <laughs> yeah we we still back then they still use the ibm cards and all that the punch cards so uh -huh. it's all technology it, it was only like two years i landed a job and it was a place where they manufacture uh rating heads for the for 
recorders and different devices. The money was good, but I would have expected it to be better after, you know, going to, going to school for a couple of years. So I kept that job and I went back to the restaurant again and I had the two jobs and I was going to try to uh, get uh, some more education after that because that wasn't, that wasn't good enough. So during this time, it was just you, right, that you well, had to worry about? no, no, no. So shortly after I got to Minnesota, I got married. And I had a son first and, and, and then a girl. So mm -hmm. during this time, I was already married. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, my daughter was born uh, towards the end of my, my schooling as, at the computer place. But yes, I was already married and with two kids. I got married right away, uh, maybe a year after I got to the, to the States. Okay, so would you say that back then, you know, initially when you thought you needed more education and then also now at the age of 58 do you have any regrets in not getting a bachelor's degree yes i do yes i do i think i consider myself a, a fast learner a, a smart person and i think i would have done a lot more with myself had i had a, a college education a bachelor's degree at least what stopped you from getting one Well, it was a combination of uh, not having the time to do it, nor the money. So how has your definition of the American dream changed from when you first arrived to now? And do you see yourself as having realized the American dream? To a point, yes, uh, at least financially. Mm -hmm. My definition hasn't changed much since then. I believe, I still believe to this day that as long as you work hard in this country, you can make it. It's a little easier if you have an education, but even if you don't, you still have ways of making it happen. But what, is, uh, what does making it mean? Well, if, if it depends. Like, like I said, speaking financially, making it means that you're able I think you, you can say you're making it when you're able to provide your basic needs and then you have extra to do other things. And whether it be starting a, another business on the side or maybe investing on stocks or maybe you're using that money to travel, but you have that extra money to do other things. And then personally? Personally, it's been, it's been very, very hard. I mean... More in the beginning, I would always leave that conflict of wanting to be here, but wanting my family to be close to me. Yeah. So even with many things going against you, such as the language barrier, any discrimination that you might have experienced, etc., do you see now any privilege that you might have benefited from? One privilege I guess I had is that I had my uncle already living here. I had a place where I was able to land at least. Yeah, I think that's a big privilege. Yeah. Because so, a yeah. lot of people get here and they're just like scrambling trying to find like an affordable place to live. Yes. All right. So although you 
remarried at some point we were basically only being raised by you during those times that we were back and forth and stayed with you like I remember when I was in first grade right we lived with you for like six months or something and at some point like Abe and I were just so mean to you I wanted to make sure that you guys stayed with me because I knew I knew that you would have a better future here in the states and I was willing to try my hardest to be able to have you grow up here And so I did everything I could, everything in my power to have you guys with me. But you and Abe were always mean to me because <laughs> you saw me as the bad guy of the story. And, and uh, yeah, I, I remember maybe, maybe I, you hated me back then. Yeah, I remember um, that specific time that I was, I think, in first grade. And we were there for like, I don't know, six months or something. But it yeah. was so short because we got there and I I was like a cruel little girl because I just didn't like you at that time. And any question that you asked me, I was like, I would look at Abe, right? And be like, oh, is that fine? Like, if you don't agree, then I don't agree. It was like yep. we tag teamed against you, but... So how hard was that on you? Because we were, I mean, we were all kids. So it's not like you could hate us. <laughs> yes, yes. No, no, you were kids and, and I loved you all very much. And I understood that you guys didn't really know what was going on, what was happening, mm -hmm. or my intentions of the reasoning behind, you know, me wanting you to be here. Right. Uh, so I understood all that. But nevertheless, it was, it was super hard. Uh, it made it super difficult for me to you know have to worry have to come home and do homework with all of you uh halfway cook something for you guys we had a little situation there within the family that uh that created a lot of conflicts for everybody because uh, of uh you know people helping me Yeah, I was I was also sharing um, on my Instagram the other day how I I had like trauma from when I was little because whenever I like didn't want to finish my food, you would make me stay at the table the whole day until we left, and I would stay there until like nighttime. Yes, yes, because <laughs> you were very stubborn, and you would you would have to do it your way. And uh, I, I was not the kind of uh, 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 dad that would hit his kids. And I think I slapped your hand one time. And even that, after that <laughs> one then, time, then you came I back cried. Crying, sorry. I cried for hours because <laughs> I felt so bad because I had slapped you. <clears throat> and I, I don't remember any other time that I, that I hit you. Yeah, uh, so then... Uh, because I remember, I remember this whole time, right? And I do remember me not liking it. And I always wanted to go back to Mexico because yes. I felt that like attachment to my family in Mexico. And I yes. was a little girl, like, um, but also professionally at this time, like what was going on in your career? Okay, good, good question. So 
my dad had a little business that allowed me to be back and forth between Guadalajara and Texas. Then after we separated, my dad moved his, his business completely to Texas. We were in business, in the trucking business, in 94, I think it was. For all of your listeners, Laredo, Texas is a border town that is highly dependent on the Mexican economy. Uh, because there's a lot of import-export activity that goes on in that town. And if that industry stops, then a lot of things stop in Laredo, Texas, because a lot of the business on this side have to do with whatever goes on in Mexico. So the end of 1994, Mexico had a big peso devaluation, and all the import-export activity stopped. It was put at a halt. So our business went down. We went bankrupt and I had to find a job. And uh, I just took whatever I could. And the job that I found was driving a propane tank truck in a little town about an hour and a half from Laredo. And I started and uh, I was making six thirty-five. So less than seven dollars an hour. Yes, yes. So how many how many hours were you putting in per week at this job? I was putting in like maybe sixty five, seventy. Wow! And this is before we moved back with you. Yes, this is before you moved back with me. Okay. So I I started doing very good. Came up to my boss and I said, you know what? I need to make more money, but, you know, they had, they couldn't pay me more because they had a flat rate for drivers, right? Mm -hmm. So I told him, you know what? Why don't you give me two cents? That's all I asked, two cents per gallon of gas that I sell. And they went back and forth for a good while, and then they agreed to it. And I, I made good money, and I was doing that, and... And at the same time, looking for another job. You were doing what, like, we're all doing now. <laughs> yeah. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Negotiating and at the same time, looking for other opportunities. Exactly. Exactly. And, and, and that's how it is. I mean, for all, for all of you guys that are young and, and trying to, to plan your future, that's how it's going to be. Hardly anyone ends up doing what they planned when they were younger. It's just a matter of looking around and always having the eyes open, looking for new opportunities and opportunities come up and you need to be able to recognize the, the good ones and take them. Don't be afraid. Take, take, jump on the good opportunities. So what opportunity did you get from this? Well, I got, I got a call from a headhunter. To this day, I don't know how he got my number or knew about me or anything, but I got a call from a headhunter in Corpus Christi. This one was an officially sales position. So I, I said, yes, definitely. I went, I interviewed with the lady. So I prayed to God like I could no more and, and that they would give me this job. I, I had like three or four interviews total. And... They went well. I had to do uh, take a test of uh, 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 what was it? Uh, 
psychological uh, profile and then an aptitude test. Uh, so what did you what did you have to sell at this job? So it was janitorial supplies. Okay. So when they told me what it was about, I was like, oh, here's the catch. You know, <laughs> toilet paper and floor cleaners and mops and brooms. And I was like, how much can I make from selling toilet paper? So I would start doing my math and, and oh man, I, I only make a dollar fifty per case of toilet paper. How many cases do I have to sell? So anyway, that's how I got started in, in sales. I took it again. I had to prove myself and I had to work extremely hard. I was traveling. Well, okay. So at what point throughout this did we move in with you? After a while, this company where I started in sales closed down and I moved to another company doing the exact same thing. And that's about the time when you guys came over. So then how hard was it to manage having us there and having to take us to school, cook for us, deal with our attitudes and put in like all these hours at work to be able to make enough money to provide? Very hard, extremely hard. If you ask me now, I don't know how I did it. It was a lot. I was working very hard, still trying to to prove myself and come up with the numbers. Being in sales is always a lot of pressure. Uh, you're always having to grow and grow and grow and find new business. And at the same time, I had to worry about you all. Uh, like you said, taking you to school, make sure you know you all did your homework and and you guys were facing your own challenges, not knowing English and and going to school to face kids probably making fun of you because you didn't speak English and and not being mm -hmm. able to learn things because you didn't understand what they were saying and then coming home and trying to reassure you that that it was okay that you would get it it was hard emotionally you know how did you deal with it would you ever like cry and let it out or talk to people I mean I know you weren't seeing a therapist or anything so no I did I did cry many many nights I had many nights where You're about to start crying right now. Yeah. <laughs> I am. You know how I am. I know. Sensitive. Thinking about it um, and remembering, yeah, I had many nights that uh, where I wonder if I was doing the right thing or not. I Because I knew how very hard it was for you all to be away from your mom. And and uh, I wasn't sure I was doing the right thing. Yeah, but I like stopped, maybe... But maybe thinking that you were just being selfish or something, right? Yeah, exactly. And, and that's exactly what I thought. I, I, you know, many times I, I would think, gosh, maybe, maybe I'm doing this just to make myself feel good or, or, or something like that. And not really thinking of you all, what was best for you. But then I would, look at the different options at the two options that you all had you being there with your mom or being here with me and then kind of think ahead and looking at the future you would have being in growing up in Mexico and staying in Mexico 
all the future you would have sticking with me. And and that's why I decided. And then it was very hard with your mom because it was always, always a battle. So, you know, eventually we did move back and we were there for three to four years, right? We, we yes. ended up coming back later in life, but at different points, like me and them. Um, yes. Do you think that those years helped a lot in you being able to develop yourself more as a professional and to kind of get grounded enough to, in a way, maybe you didn't know that it was going to happen, but to eventually have us back and, you know, have it be a bit easier or something, at least financially? Yes, definitely. Definitely. I had a lot more flexibility as far as time and I was married again. (laughs) <laughs> yeah i'm like not trying to talk too much about that but yeah i'm trying to avoid know. i'm trying to avoid the subject because uh, i'm not proud of it but uh but, it <laughs> but was, there like, were more than two so i moved back with you before my siblings did and do you remember how that first year was literally like i always say it was the worst year of my life only because i literally cried almost every night and I was always like, I miss my mom. I miss my grandma's cooking. I miss this. I don't like the school. Um, how would you describe that progression specifically with me and you? How I got there and it was sort of like we were strangers because I was nine and hadn't spent that much time with you. So we were like meeting each other for the first time and how we developed this like really close relationship to where in high school we were almost like best friends. You were miserable <laughs> when you first came and, and there was nothing I could do to help it because it didn't matter how hard I tried. You were just torn torn apart from, from your, your family, your most adored relatives, your mom, your grandma, your, your siblings. So there was nothing that was going to make you stop feeling miserable so I just try to do what I could like you know uh, spending time with you or trying to get close to you but you were very rejectful Uh, you wouldn't you wouldn't be open to me you would just not interact with me a lot and because of the same reason you didn't really know me and and we were strangers to you it was like that until your your siblings came and then things got a little better and luckily for me you required a lot of my time and and attention while you were in school and I think that was the opportunity I had to get closer to you even though I was married I was I was the one always uh I, I I tell people how you were that like dance dad, right? And because although you remarried um, me going through that phase of my life where dance was the most important thing in my life, I wanted you there. So you had to like find the time to be there to get close to me. Yeah, so I went through that stage of my life where I had to make it about you all. I had to decide what I was, what it was going to be, and and I made the decision to to try and and be there for you for you as much as I could, regardless of 
what I had to do it. And it, it was very difficult. I don't, I'm not sure if I've ever told you this or not, but me being in the, I'm going to cry again. Me being in, in a room full of moms, you know, working on the uniforms and, and uh, me, the only dad, not being able to do things that, you know, as cute as they would and, and uh, or or being there when I was, when, when your mom was supposed to be helping with makeup mm-hmm. that, and here was your dad, you know, just trying to do whatever I could. But yeah, I, everyone was just like, oh, how cute he's trying to help. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, you know. I decided to to just be there and do whatever I could. And I think honestly, that's that was like so important because it's what helped us like get really close and everything. But then you left and you forgot about me. <laughs> well, no, but I was gonna ask though. We all built our different kinds of bonds and relationship with you, and by all of us, I mean like all my siblings. Yes. So. Once we left our home, right, in Texas, there's only so much you can do as a parent, right? Once we turn 18 and we leave and or at least once we become financially independent. How do you feel about our different trajectories? Like, for instance, how at first we were so in sync, right? Thinking both of us thinking like, oh, yeah, finance is the way to go or like finance and accounting and you know, this is where the money's at or the status or whatever. And then seeing just like these huge shifts that I'm going through because of how I'm changing personally, but also how I'm thinking about, you know, my career life in connection to what I want my future life to look like. I think it's not only you, it's everyone's goal to have the, the perfect balance, that work-life balance. And that's a big challenge that we all face. I think you and anyone your age wanting to do that is it's a little early in life because the way I see it is like myself in the beginning, you have to work hard in the beginning. You have to achieve goals. You have to work for the opportunities, work to be recognized, work for uh, a lot of things. And and then as you earn those, uh, what can I call them? Uh, a treat- Your stripes. Yes. Uh, then, then you can start being able to balance it more. But I, I definitely think that there is a time in life when you have to work hard and, and give it all you you have. And then once you start having a family or, or having a serious relationship, then you start cutting down on work and giving a little more time to personal life. And as you advance in life, uh, that continues to change, to give uh to take away from work to put more on your on your lifetime or on your personal time but just to clarify you mean you should be working hard at something right at whatever you're doing uh, in your career because it's it's one because one thing is like 
working hard um, while still trying to figure it out. But another thing is being at a job where you know that you're not happy and you will never find it fulfilling, but you stay just because, you know, it's the paycheck and it's what you um, thought you wanted. Well, I think those are jobs that we all have to go through. I don't know of anyone that has found the perfect job from the get-go. And and it every single job is a learning experience. Every single job is going to leave you something. Even if it's something you don't enjoy doing, um, I just think it's part of everyone's professional career. I mean, by that, I don't mean that you have to be miserable, but just you are going to have to go through that. And, and uh, you know, I applaud you for wanting to do it so early in your life. And, and I hope that, you know, you're able to do it. And, and, and I will be very, very surprised, pleasantly surprised if you're able to achieve it at such an early uh, stage of your life. So there are a lot of people that think, like you right I definitely think that early on in any career you do have to put in a lot of work um, but not necessarily in the way that a lot of people do it where you know they're burning themselves out and stuff but do you think that the way that you grew up and the things that you had to go through where you had to work that way to get to where you are like that's what makes you think that way uh probably yes and 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 it makes me think this way the the fact that as i progressed in my in my career i was able to have when when going back to the years when you were in high school i had a lot of time from my job that i took to do things with you mm-hmm. and your brothers and sisters and and I had that flexibility that I had somehow earned already from my hardworking years I earned it and I think your your financial situation as you progress in your, in your profession will allow you to do that but you have to somehow earn it now the, the I, I think that there is a huge difference when you talk about work and having to work extra hard and and work being overwhelming, uh, and what I mean by that is that it depends on where you are and and the uh, the environment and the industry. And you happen to be in New York City, and in finances in New York City is like being uh, an actor in L.A. You're gonna. You could be twenty four seven, and it's it's still not gonna be enough. Uh, if you move back into Texas, it would, <laughs> oh my God, it would be yeah, it would be different. Funny. You could be in finance <laughs> for eight hours a day. <laughs> right. Other than that, what is some advice that you would give to your younger self or to? Anyone who is listening, whether it be people my age who are navigating their careers right now as first generation Latinos or, you know, any parents who 
maybe have gone through something similar? So as I get older, you you realize that, that you know, you, that you could have done things better. And then you identify some of the mistakes that you made back in your younger days. And I think prioritizing is it's key. You have to have a plan for your life. You need to do things in that order. You need to, to decide, okay, do I want to go to college? Do I not want to go to college? Maybe I want to be a, a self-employed person doing whatever, uh, you know, mowing lawns or washing cars. Whatever you're going to do, decide how you're going to do it and be the best at it. If you're going to be a truck driver, be the best truck driver there is, and you will be fine. But do things in order. Work on your your profession or your career before starting a family. That's what that's what makes it very complicated. Once you start a family before uh, developing yourself professionally, it, it's very hard. It's very hard to to continue and to to make everything work. And I think if you do it like that, you would be in a much better situation. I remember you giving me that advice sometime in middle school or high school where you told us whatever it is that you want to become, just make sure that you be the best one at it. Like work so hard to be so good at it, what, like whatever you are. And then after that, you know how you've always told us, I don't care who you're talking to, whether it's the CEO or like the cleaning staff of your company, you treat everyone with the same respect. And I've always remembered that. And I've always taken that advice. Yes, yes. Well, Thank you so much for sharing a part of your story and our relationship and some of your insights and advice with the listeners. Thank you. I love you.